Well, good morning, and let me add my welcome to Christ Church. And I want to thank the leaders who have guided us in this unique service that we've had so far called Experiencing the Presence of God. And as we move into this next uh, section of our service today, uh, we're going to take a little bit deeper dive into this passage from Exodus of Moses and the burning bush. And as we do, I just want to encourage you to continue in this reflective mode uh, of listening to what the Holy Spirit might be bringing forward to you uh, already in the text as you've reflected on it. And then as I point out some things um, in the next few minutes. And just practically speaking, this won't be um, a full sermon as we, as we typically uh, would expect on a Sunday. It's just going to be brief, and we're going to take some time very practically to walk through and think about how, um, how we might listen in some particular ways to what God might be saying to us through his word uh, this morning and things that we can carry out into, uh, into all of life. And so in order to do that, uh, first we're just going to take a look at the text and see some old insights. And by old insights, I mean uh, things that commentators and scholars have noticed in this passage for centuries. And then I'm going to tell a couple of stories of how some of these things have played out in my own life recently, uh, of noticing the presence of God and responding to it. Um, and then I want to share a newer insight. And by that, mean, by that I mean uh, an insight from uh, scholars and commentators more recently that will prepare us as we move toward communion a little bit later on uh, in our service today. So that'll be our goal for the next 15, 20 minutes or so. And let me invite you to take another look at this text from Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We'll see again. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him, in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And we're going to stop there and just linger for a minute and, and think about some insights that, um, that are old, that, that scholars have pointed out for centuries. And one is this messenger, the angel of the Lord appearing in this flame of fire. So you notice what, what Moses saw was what looked like fire, but then the text tells us what it actually was within that fire was the angel of the Lord. And then what we're going to see in just a moment is that the voice of God then spoke. And what we can notice in that is God can speak through just about anything. Um, the thing that caught Moses' attention, the messenger, the angel that was in that fire, was the mediator of God's voice speaking to Moses. And this isn't the only time in the Bible that God spoke through a medium. Um, we find him speaking through a cloud. So what people saw was a physical cloud and what they heard from it was the voice of God. There's even a story where a donkey spoke and it was the voice of God speaking through the donkey. It's not always an audible voice of God, though, when we're listening for him to speak to us as we're uh, reflective in his presence. Sometimes it's a uh, um, or more often, really, it's, it's a spirit, sort of discernment that we have uh, inwardly. And we see this even in the life of Jesus, where he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. It was the voice of God speaking inwardly. And God can do this through just about anything. And so as we think about experiencing the presence of God, as we think about listening for his voice, uh, that's a helpful insight for us. Uh, it might come through places and means that are unexpected. 
And I say God can speak to us through just about anything because I think there are exceptions. God's not going to speak to us through something that's evil. The Bible says the light has no fellowship with the darkness. So you might have a rebellious cousin that says, hey, let's go steal some stuff from a store and then we'll do something good with some of the money. Well, that's not going to be the voice of God speaking through that instance. But just about anything um, is game for God to speak to us when we are attentive, when we're paying attention in the way that we've already been guided today in our service. And so that's the first insight is that God can speak to us through just about anything. Just like he spoke to Moses through a flame of fire and the angel of the Lord. The second thing that, that we can notice in this text that, that people have noticed for centuries um, is the fire itself. Uh, this wasn't the first time that God made his presence known to his people through fire. Um, he made his presence known to Abraham through fire that was in a flaming pot, uh, which is sort of a small vessel. And, and we see in Genesis 15 and 17 uh, how God spoke his promises to, to Abraham. Uh, and in one of those instances, it was this vision of a smoking fire pot that Abraham saw. So it's sort of a small container of fire. Um, a bush that's on fire uh, is a little bit bigger, brighter, more noticeable. Um, and and this, is, this progressive uh, sort of expansion on this theme of fire will continue through the Bible. In just a few chapters, we're actually going to see it next week. Um, there's a whole mountain that's on fire when God calls Moses up to deliver the Ten Commandments. Uh, Elijah called down fire from heaven uh, that, that consumed the altar. And so uh, the insight that, that, that scholars have pointed out for centuries on this is that there's a progressive revelation of God's presence to his people. We see it in the nation of Israel, uh, and we might see it in our own lives as well. As we learn to experience the presence of God, recognize it in our lives, that flame gets brighter, uh, more noticeable, more powerful. Uh, God speaks to us in greater and greater ways, and we can expect that as we lean into experiencing his presence. So, so far, the, the angel of the Lord, the flames of fire, God can speak to us through just about anything. Uh, when God does speak to us and we are attentive to his presence, his voice gets um, more noticeable, more recognizable. That flame burns brighter and brighter. And then one other insight, um, and we're going to linger on this one for just a minute, is the, is the order, sort of the progression that's within the text of Moses noticing, investigating, and responding to the voice of God. And for this, we're going to back up to the beginning of the text. And just see what Moses was doing uh, when God broke in on his experience. Moses was tending the flock, a flock of sheep, um, and he was leading them out in the wilderness. That's when he came to the Horeb, the mountain of God, and he noticed the, uh, the bush that was on fire. Now, the first thing to <laughs> just, just put yourself in this situation with, with Moses, um, you know, as he's moving to the wilderness and he's, he's leading a, a flock of sheep, I would imagine that's pretty um, attention-consuming. You got sheep trying to go everywhere, and he's trying to herd them all. Just the other day, I watched a man walking two big dogs, and it was all he could do to just keep those dogs on these two leashes and move forward. I think, you know, a house could have been on fire, and he might not have noticed it because he was just paying such attention to those dogs. And so I don't think it's necessarily obvious uh, that Moses would have noticed the bush. Um, he, was, he was busy with the sheep. Maybe, you know, when the first, uh, the first time the bush appeared, it was way off in the distance. Maybe it was a bright, sunny day. Um, and, and perhaps Moses um, could easily have passed by without drawing near to, um, to the bush. But for whatever reason, um, Moses noticed 
this bush. And that's the, that's the first sort of step in this progression is simply Moses noticing something strange, right? So he saw that the, the bush appeared to be on fire, but it wasn't burned up. And he thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. And that's the first sort of thing to just notice in this progression is simply that Moses was paying attention enough that he noticed something that seemed out of place, uh, that captured his attention as abnormal and, and was worth sort of drawing close to. And then not only did he notice it, he made a decision to approach it, to investigate it, to see what was going on uh, that, was, that was so strange. And he didn't have to do that, right? Um, he could have been afraid and run away. He, who knows what other choices he had, um, but, but Moses chose, after noticing the flame of fire, to actually investigate it and draw near. And that's the next step in this progression that, again, commentators have pointed out in this passage for centuries, is that Moses made this decision to go and investigate and see what was going on. Um, observe it more closely. Take, take, take a closer look and see what was going on here. And then what happens? After Moses noticed and then investigated this, this strange sight, something broke in that was out of the ordinary, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, when when he saw that he had gone to investigate, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. And so it was only after Moses noticed and investigated what God had put in his path that God then spoke to him, which is a significant um, insight for us as we think about how God might invite you and me to experience his presence. Certainly it doesn't always work this way, but this is one way that God may work. It's the way that he worked in this case with Moses. And I wonder what might be in your path that God may be inviting you to notice. Maybe you've already noticed something today in, in our time of reflection and guided prayer on this passage. Uh, maybe God brought something to your attention that might be a little bit strange, um, that, that piqued your attention in a way that, that he might be inviting you to investigate. Maybe there's something in your life that, um, that just may be the voice of God tapping on your shoulder, trying to catch your attention, inviting you to lean in closer to hear what God might say to you. So there's a progression of noticing, investigating, and then hearing the voice of God and responding. And then the rest of the text, um, we've been reflecting on it already. It's, it's what God said to Moses. It was God's message to Moses after getting his attention. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So in just a minute, we're going to look um, more deeply at what God said to Moses, uh, the message uh, that he gave to him. But before we do, I just want to share with you a little bit out of my own uh, experience recently along these lines of noticing and investigating and, and responding to what God might be saying. Um, three different ways, and, and none of them earth-shattering or, or life-changing, but significant. Uh, and one was something that God invited me to notice with my eyes, visually uh, to notice. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went uh, and we did a prayer walk in what's called a prayer labyrinth. And it's, it's just you know, sort of a, a plot of ground with some rocks guiding a path and it has this meandering path toward the center uh, and the center represents Christ and what you do is you walk this meandering path that represents the journeys of life you find your way to Christ at the center 
Uh, you would receive what, whatever word he might have for you, listening, paying attention, and then walk that path back out again. And on this particular day, I'm following the, the path that's between the rocks, um, just trying to be attentive, trying to be reflective. Um, not really, you know, nothing earth-shattering or, or great was coming to mind, but I got to the middle, uh, and there's, a, there's a, a roundish rock that represents Christ at the center of life. Lingered there for a few minutes, and just noticed, just happened to think, yeah, they've got a rock here that, that symbolizes Christ. Jesus told his disciples that he's the rock on which the church would be built, and just sort of noticed, yeah, that this symbol of the rock that's Jesus. Lingered there for a few minutes and then started to walk back out, and as I sort of just investigated that idea and thought about it more and just kind of mulled it over, I realized I've been walking paths lined by rocks for the last several minutes. And what it seemed the Lord was saying to me in that moment was, I'm right with you guiding every step of your life. If, if, if Jesus is that rock, he's, he's right there on the whole journey. And it was, a, it was sort of a significant deposit in my faith in that moment. Um, that, that, that God spoke to me in a quiet, unobtrusive way, but it was faith-building. And it was something that began by just noticing with my eyes uh, what was kind of right in front of me. Another thing that's happened uh, with some regularity is something that I feel physically uh, in my body. And uh, maybe, maybe this is something that you do as well, but in the course of my work day, I get caught up going from meeting to meeting or project to project or responding to a long list of emails or phone calls. And, and I get this motor that just sort of starts to run and it starts to build kind of tension and stress and anxiety. And uh, for years, I, this just what I did without really thinking about it at all. But recently I've been encouraged and, and made aware of noticing what's going on in my body. And so Sometimes if that starts to happen in the middle of the day, um, I'll sort of notice it and then realize, okay, what's going on? Why, why am I feeling that sort of stress and anxiety sort of starting to build up in the course of the day? And I realize what I'm doing is I get on this constant cycle of just trying to prove myself, trying to validate myself, trying to be significant in the way that I work and interact with others. Um, and when I do notice that, and at the first opportunity, I'll take some time to sort of pull away and just kind of be still and be quiet and listen and say, all right, Lord, I notice um, sort of that motor running again. Um, what is it that you're trying to tell me? What is it that, that you want to slow me down um, so that I don't miss when I sort of get on that, sort of that train starts to go down the tracks? Because I'm a more attentive person. I'm more reflective. I'm more um, helpful <laughs> in meetings and, and respond better. Um, when, I'm, when I'm slowing down and more attentive to what God is doing and don't just get on that cycle of hurry, hurry, hurry. Um, and then a third thing is something that just happens emotionally. Um, as, as anybody who's married knows or is uh, in, in close relationships, um, had an interaction with my wife last week that just rubbed me the wrong way. And then suddenly I went from everything was fine to just feeling all this tension and frustration. And in that moment, it was like, you know, for so much of my life, I would just go with that and it would make it a bad day and we, you know, things would spiral. But, but learning, learning to notice, wow, where'd that come from? What's going on there? Um, and kind of think about it, reflect on it. Um, and what I, what, I, what I sensed the Lord saying to me in that moment was, you're getting really defensive um, in response to something that, that your wife said to you totally innocently. Um, and it really, as I thought about it more, it was really more about my insecurity 
uh, than anything insensitive that she had said or done. And, and it helped me to sort of bring that to God and sort of confess my own inadequacy, my own insecurities uh, in that moment. And so there's all kinds of ways, right? God can speak to us through just about anything when we're attentive to noticing and investigating and responding to his presence. And then I want to share one more insight with you before we uh, move into another time of reflection and then ultimately we take communion together today. Uh, and that is what God showed Moses, what, he, what the message that he had for him when he came to him in the burning bush in the first place. And it shows up a little bit further down in the passage. Uh, Moses, God had said to Moses to go and deliver his people Israel from Egypt. And this was one of Moses' responses. He said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And what's so significant about what God said to Moses is what he revealed to him was his name. And what's the significance of a name? It's a way of accessing God and addressing him. Uh, it's an invitation into a relationship. Um, this is such a trite example, but when Dina and I first met, she wrote down her name and number on a receipt from a restaurant and gave it to me. And I kept that receipt for years until it disintegrated in my wallet. It was so significant because now I had access to her. I knew her name. I knew her number. I knew how to reach her. And this something like this is going on. God is revealing to Moses for him and for his people the way of access. He, they now know his name. They can reach him. And he said, this will be my name from generation to generation. And it shows up in the other prophets, uh, shows up even into the New Testament. And what's so significant uh, as we move toward communion this morning um, is that that name was then given to Jesus. In Philippians 2 we read that God gave Jesus the name that is above every other name. That at his name every knee would bow and tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so this, this intimate name that reflected um, not just a general sense of being Lord and Master, but the specific Lord who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This name that God gave Moses by which he could be accessed, where we could enter into his presence both spiritually now and eternally in his presence, that name was then also given to Jesus. And it's by Jesus that we all have access to the presence of God. It's his name. And so in just a few minutes, we're gonna, we're gonna recognize the presence of Jesus in our midst as we take the body and the blood in the elements of communion. And as we do so, we can recognize that we can experience the presence of God. We can notice and investigate and respond to him because of what Jesus has done for us in bearing the name of his Father so that we today can experience the presence of God. And we're going to move right now into another time of just reflection, uh, contemplating what God might be inviting us to notice today 
and then we'll take communion together. But before we do, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, once again, we invite you to speak to us today. Help us to be open-handed. This may be new, even frightening for some of us, as Moses was afraid in your presence. But calm us, speak to us, help us to recognize your presence here among us today. In Jesus' name, amen.